Amen. We are going to be embarking upon, this is something the Lord has placed in my spirit, um, and we're going to be embarking um, right after Labor Day, starting the Tuesday after Labor Day, embarking on 21 days of corporate uh, prayer and fasting. And, um, and so I thought that it would be appropriate, and some of you have asked for this, and uh, you know, you spoke and I listened, and um, I thought it would be appropriate over the next couple of weeks to teach on fasting as we head up to that, because some of us know a lot about fasting, some of us know a little bit of, about fasting, some of us may know nothing about fasting, and so this may be elementary for some of us, and it may be revelation for others, and um, I want to encourage you to um, we'll have some conversation. If you have some insight that you'd like to share, uh, then please do that. Uh, but starting uh, Tuesday, September the 6th, uh, we are going to, as a church, have 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm not asking everybody to fast for 21 days. All right? So don't, don't get scared. <laughs> um, but what we are going to do, and we have some sign-up uh, lists out there, uh, on the usher's table, and we'll talk a little bit more about this on Sunday, but I would like for everyone to try to fast either one meal a day or uh, pick a couple of days during the week that you can fast. Um, I'd like to have coverage for that entire 21 days of people that are fasting. Um, if you want to fast a whole day, if you want to fast a couple meals, whatever, I'm going to leave it to you how you want to fast, and we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks the different ways that we can fast and stuff like that. But I, the, the point is that we can uh, pray and fast. And I believe that as we do this, there are going to be things that break in this city for us to be able to have the revival and the harvest that God has been promising us. Uh, if we are going to take a strong man's house, the Bible says that we have to first bind the strong man. And I believe it's high time that we start doing what we need to do to bind the strong man in this city. And, and so there are uh, areas in the city, communities and cultures that we need to be able to break into with the gospel. And I believe as we pray and as we fast together as a church that that will happen. And so during that time as well, uh, we are going to open up the church uh, between... 4 and 8 a.m. for anyone to come that wants to pray. I'm not saying anybody has to be here at 4 o'clock in the morning, but some of us may, if you want to come before you go to work or whatever, um, you can come during that time, even if you only spend a few minutes on your way to work at any time uh, between 4 and 8 a.m. During that time, I will have the church open uh, so that you can come and pray at the church if you would like to. Um, uh, the good thing is, with the weather being what it is, we probably don't have to run the air conditioning or the heat too much uh, in September, so I think it kind of works out. We don't have to worry about being too hot or too cold uh, on most of those mornings when we come to the church, so I, I think the timing is good. So tonight's lesson uh, is entitled, When Ye Fast. When Ye Fast. It's based... Out of Matthew chapter 6, and I pray for me, for some reason my voice is, my throat seems really dry, like I'm losing my voice here, so I'm not sick, I don't feel sick, I haven't, but whatever, for whatever reason I, I got, my, my throat seems scratchy right now. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, moreover, this is Jesus speaking, 
Moreover, when ye fast, and that's where we get our title from right there, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. They, they make it obvious. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, Lord. Oh. They, uh, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now you might be thinking, some of you might be thinking, well, why are we doing this corporately or publicly if we're supposed to do it in secret? So let me just tell you that there is a there is many times in the Bible where they had public fasts. If you remember, one of the more famous ones was in the days of Esther, uh, when Queen Esther was going to go before the king and uh, because Haman was going to destroy all the Jews. And she said, okay, proclaim a fast, and for the next three days, let's fast. And so they fasted corporately. There were many feasts unto the Lord, but there were also many fasts that they did as a nation um, at times as well. And so, yes, if I'm going to be fasting, I don't do it for show. And there are many times that I go on a fast that you will never know about, or you go on a fast that I'll never know about, and that's perfectly all right. We're not doing it to be seen by men, but there's something about praying and fasting together that does bring us together in unity. And it helps us to really be able to touch base uh, with God together as a team and bring us together. And so uh, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. And when we fast, that's what we're talking about in uh, this lesson. So I want to start with a question open for discussion um, and get some of your insights and your thoughts about what does it mean to fast. We don't have microphones set up or anything like that. So just Raise your hand, and, and uh, I'll call on you, and you can, you can give me whatever you're answering. What does it mean to you to fast? Sister Tryon. To not eat. Anybody else? Yes, sir. To abstain from all things joyful. All right, good, Bishop. Amen. To put your body in subjection so that you can give in to the things of the Spirit versus the flesh. Amen. Fasting, what does it mean? Anybody got anything else? So I think all those things. Yes, Bishop. <laughs> Going hungry, yes. Hurting and being painful and <laughs> starving. Why is it that every time I try to go on a fast that someone, someone brings donuts to work? Or someone bakes a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies and brings them right to me. Isn't it ironic, right? I mean, it seems like whenever I try to go on a fast, someone's bringing me food. Or someone's saying, hey, you know, let's get together and go, go have coffee. And what they really mean is let's go have a meal and let's go have, you know, they take you to a coffee shop where it smells like a bakery and there's like donuts and cookies and muffins and whatever in there. And you're like, oh, you know. I don't know. Maybe it just happens to me, but. All right, so fasting uh, from the Merriam-Webster online dictionary says this, to abstain from food or to eat sparingly or abstain from some foods. So fasting can be an absolute 
no food, or it can be, all right, I'm not going to eat sweets for a certain amount of time, or I'm not going to eat meat for a certain amount of time. Uh, there's a thing called the Daniel fast, right, that we, we've done in the past where we take the month of January prayer and fasting, and we'll do like a Daniel fast as a church, and, and we basically, uh, you know, no meats, no grains, no dairy, uh, no sugars, things like that, and basically just vegetables and cardboard. Um, <laughs> I hate the Daniel fast. I'd rather fast for 30 days of nothing than to do the Daniel fast. And some of y'all love the Daniel fast. It's great for you. But for me, it just doesn't work because I'm a carnivore at heart. I love my meat and I also love my sweets. And so for me not to be able to, to eat meat or sweets for a long period of time, I'd rather just not eat at all. <laughs> so remember one time we were doing the Daniel fast and we bought these crackers that were supposed to be uh, Daniel fast friendly or... or uh, kosher or whatever they looked great they looked like they were going to be awesome but when you you know on the box and everything and you open it up and it literally looked like cardboard i mean to the point of you pull the cracker out and on the you know when you take a piece of cardboard and you see the little pieces in in there like the little lines and it looks like there's air in between there's a little lines in, in between the pieces when you cut into a piece of cardboard that's how what the crackers look like and they tasted like it too I was like, why did I ever do this? <laughs> I'd rather not eat. But to the Christian, right, there is more to fasting than just not eating. There is a spiritual aspect to fasting as well, and that's the point. So while on a fast, the times that we would normally spend eating are instead to be spent in worship, prayer, and reading or studying God's Word, or let me add this, in Isaiah 58, it talks about, you know, you should feed the hungry and help the needy and the oppressed when you're fasting. So I've heard, I heard one preacher say this, and I've thought about it, and I've done it a few times. Those times that I would normally be going to, you know, McDonald's or Wendy's or, or somewhere to get something quick to eat for lunch, Instead of going, and that's really hard to do, to go through the drive-thru and just say, hey, I'm not ordering anything for myself. Just pay for the person behind me. Or I've heard people that do that, right? And, and that's part of what it says in Isaiah 58. This is a fast that God has chosen, that we, that we feed the ones that are hungry, that we help the ones that are oppressed, that we help the ones that are poor, um, that we help out. So, hey, why not serve at a soup kitchen while you're fasting? Nothing wrong with that or something like that. Hand out. Just go help somebody in need. But we're supposed to be doing something spiritual, and helping people in need is spiritual, by the way. I didn't get any amens on that, but helping people in need is spiritual. Meeting people's natural needs often lead to a spiritual experience for them. Many times they don't want to hear anything spiritual until we meet their physical needs, right? And so sometimes it's good to do things like that. Now, we have... No direct, let me, let, me, let me back up. So the, again, the point is not just to not eat, but the point is the times that we're eating, let's connect with God. Let's talk to him. Let's get into his word. Let's worship him. Let's, let's maintain or create a greater connection with God. We have no correct, uh, con, uh, direct command in the Bible to fast. However, according to the verses that we read in our opening it is expected that followers of Christ fast. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. So the word when implies that Jesus takes it for granted that the Christian will fast as a regular spiritual discipline. 
It's kind of like, okay, when you fast. It's not, oh, I'm telling you need to fast. I'm commanding you to fast. He's just like, when you fast. In other words, you ought to be doing this, and I shouldn't even have to say that you should do it. Just do it. Like, you should already be doing it. So when you do it, do it like this. So that's, to me, that's more powerful than a command. It's just one of those unwritten expectations. Um, it, it's not an option of something to obey or not. It's just something that Jesus assumes that we're doing if we're following him. Fasting is not enjoyable. <laughs> and neither is fasting easy. But that makes the rewards that much sweeter. And there are both physical and spiritual benefits of fasting. We're not going to get into the physical benefits of fasting, uh, but there are, there's medical and scientific proof that fasting is good for your body. You detox. Your body detoxes when you're fasting. And when you get to a certain point of fasting, uh, there's, there's a thing that I do uh, to help maintain my weight or lose weight when I need to lose weight called intermittent fasting. And if you get to a certain number of hours of fasting with no food or, or calorie intake at all, uh, then your body automatically goes into a fat burning mode. All right. And that's not the reason that we fast in, in the church as Christians, but there's some physical benefits of it as well. If you go longer than 72 hours, your body starts going into, uh, I believe a phase is called autophagy um, or autophagy, or I don't even know how to say the word, but it's, it's, it's something where uh, your body starts actually beginning to regenerate uh, your immune system. So some of y'all might need to go on a three or four day fast and re reset your immune system. It actually starts uh, increasing your good uh, cell counts that help with immune systems. And so fasting has physical benefits, but that's not what we're, what we're here to talk about. We want to talk about the spiritual benefits of fasting. So number one, fasting helps us draw closer to God. In my opinion, this is probably the best part because I just want to be close to Jesus. And fasting helps us to draw closer to God. Why does it do that? Because fasting shows God that we are turning to him with our whole hearts. Can we turn to him with our whole hearts without fasting? Yeah, you can. But when we fast, it's just kind of like, oh, he, he got, he, we, we do. And we don't do fasting just to get God's attention or to, or to try to manipulate God into doing something for us. Let me, let me make that very clear. I don't go on a fast to try to twist God's arm to get God to do something that I want him to do. But I can fast to draw closer to him or to hear direction from him. And we'll get into kind of those things. But when I fast, it's, it's kind of getting his attention like, oh, okay, he's, he's really serious. He's willing to sacrifice something in order to get to me. Uh, David said that I will not offer that, which to, the, that to the Lord, which costs me nothing. And fasting costs you something. And so when we fast, we're paying a price in order to get to him, and I believe he honors us when we do that. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. So turn to me with all your heart. With fasting is part of that. And so when I turn my heart completely toward God, he then turns 
toward me. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the first part of that verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And there's more to that verse, but that's the whole point. The, the point we want to make is that when, when I turn my heart completely towards him, then he will show himself strong on my behalf. James chapter 4, verse 8 says that when I draw nigh to God, he says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So fasting actually helps us to do that, to draw close to him. But fasting also helps us to cleanse our hands, to purify our hearts, and to get our minds focused on Jesus, especially if we're doing it the right way. If, if I'm really fasting the way I'm supposed to by putting away all the pleasures, as you mentioned, all these things that are joyful, and I'm, I mean, and I'm, I'm really making it a sacrifice to God. He sees that. And so um, if I'm doing all that stuff, then my hands aren't touching the dirty stuff. My, my, my heart is not getting more dirt inside it. It's just like our, our body detoxes when we're fasting, our spirits detox as well. Because we silence voices that, that maybe are speaking to us things that we don't need to be hearing. Or we, we, we get a lot of the clatter and the clutter away from our minds and our, and our lives. So Because everything we're just kind of moving everything out of the way so that we have a clear path and connection to God. Does that make sense? And as I'm doing so, I'm getting rid of stuff that maybe shouldn't be there. And I'm making room for stuff that God wants to give me that should be there when I'm doing it right. Because if I'm praying and reading my Bible and I'm making more room to do that, you can never have enough word of God in you. And so if, if you really are pushing the, the plate away and taking some spiritual bread in, then you're making more room and you're putting more in, so therefore it's purging. Does that, does that make sense? Do you see how that works? Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. And so when we do these things, when we are cleaning our hands and, and purifying our heart, and part of uh, the way we do that, it, yes, it's through repentance and it's through touching not the unclean thing and, and, and um, keeping away from stuff, but, you know, when, but part of that is fasting. That's part of how we do that. Then we can approach God. We can't approach God with dirty hands and dirty hearts. We can come to him and repent to get clean and allow him to clean us out. But I can't just approach God with, with dirty hands and a dirty heart and him accept me. That's what repentance is all about. And fasting also helps us to do that. So I kind of went into it a little bit, but anybody got any other opinions or ideas or thoughts on how fasting helps us to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts? How does fasting do that for us? I may have covered it, but... Maybe you have some other thoughts. Brother Lou. Amen. We're denying that when we're fasting, we're denying the flesh, so we're strengthening and helping our spirit. Amen. What else? How does fasting help us cleanse our hands and purify our hearts? Anybody else? 
I think, I mean, that kind of covers it, right? And some of the other things that I said, it, how about this? Fasting actually helps to purify our motives. Uh, many times when we're fasting, God will reveal our own hearts to us. Because when, when I'm fasting, if I'm really getting into the word the way I should, the word becomes a mirror. And I see myself in the word. And I'm like, oh, I need to fix something. I should be able to do that whether I'm fasting or not whenever I get into the Word. But if I'm fasting and I'm putting more Word in, there's more opportunity for that. There's more time for me to look into the mirror that is the Word of God. And so then it helps me, hopefully, to see and correct the things that I need to see and correct. Amen? All right. All right. So, number two, fasting helps us to hear from God more clearly. If we are fasting, and as we're fasting, we're drawing closer to God, then it just makes sense that it's easier to hear when we're closer to him, and he starts speaking to us. Many times, he speaks to us through a still, small voice. You can't hear the still, small voice if you're far away from him. So as I draw closer, I'm more able to hear that still, small voice. So when we fast, if we do it properly... The other voices in our lives are either silenced or minimized, while the voice of the Lord is more easily heard and discerned. It's almost like we're hitting the mute button on the other voices or the voices that aren't good for us, and we're turning up the volume or amplifying, putting a microphone to the voice of the Lord. We're, we're putting the Word of God in, more, in a position of more preeminence, or we're focusing more on things. Um, and so, like, well... So most of you that are here, you know that I'm deaf in my left ear. Um, and being deaf in my left ear, it's really hard for me if I'm in a room and there's somebody on this side trying to talk to me and there's a whole lot of noise over on this side. Because all I'm hearing everything through one ear. And so it's, it's really hard to get, if there's a lot of background noise or noise over here, so I'll turn my head and many times I will cup my hand like this around my ear so that I can silence or minimize or somewhat mute muffle the voices or the noises that are over there so that I can hear more clearly what's coming from from that direction well fasting kind of does that for us a little bit it helps us to kind of either silence or turn the volume down on the other voices and then it amplifies or allows us to at least focus more because my, my, my belief is this God's always speaking the question is, are we listening? All right, and fasting helps us to listen a little bit more. Bishop, do you have a comment? Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Right. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when, when we look at the New Testament, the only Bible that the New Testament writers had was the Old Testament. So where do you think James got that concept, that thought? Well, it was inspired by God, right? But I believe God was reminding him of scriptures that he had learned from the Psalms. <laughs> 
um, many of our New Testament writers are quoting Old Testament scriptures. And so it, you, you see the, the harmony of scriptures. It's beautiful to see it. Amen. Amen. So we get to hear him more clearly. So God, let, let, me, let me just tell everybody this. God wants to speak to you. He has great things that he wants to tell you. As a matter of fact, uh, in, in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, he says, Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. And I, I always thought when you talk about showing something, like, all right, I'm going to see something, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it. You're going you're gonna to put it before my eyes so that I can physically see something. But the Hebrew word for show actually means to utter or to tell and make something known. So call unto me, and I will tell you something that you didn't know before. When we fast and we do it right and we're calling on him, we get revelation. We get understanding. We, the entrance of his word gives light, and now we hear something that we've never heard before. We understand something that we ne never understood before, and that's why we can, we, can, we can hear God clearly, and we can get direction from God. We can get answers to our problems or our circumstances, our situations, um, our struggles, uh, our, by, by simply sometimes going on a fast and really tuning our voice in. And, and I'm going to say this, when I am fasting, especially when I go on an extended fast, there are times when I wake up in the morning, and, and my, so my habit is when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm doing when, as I get out of bed is I'm trying to figure out where's my connection with God. Am I, am I connected with God? Is it going to be easy for me? I mean, and, and how do I do that? Well, I just, I know the sense of God's presence and I know, um, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, good morning, Jesus. How are you this morning? Thank you for this day. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to engage with Jesus as soon as I get up. By the time my feet hit the floor, I'm trying to engage with Jesus. And, I'm, and I make my way downstairs, and I start getting my coffee ready, and I, I, I sit down in, in the prayer room, and I'm already trying to engage in conversation with the Lord. If I don't feel that connection or I don't sense that closeness to Him, then I have to start going through a process of aligning myself and trying to figure out where am I out of alignment uh, that I feel disconnected from God. And so what's the, what's the first, way, first thing to do? Repent. Lord, if there's anything in my heart, I'm sorry for it. If I know what it is, I'm going to like, okay, let me get this right right now. Let me, you know, there's times when I will text somebody and say, hey, I may have offended you or, or something. I, please forgive me. I, I want to I get this right because I, I want to be right with my brother because I can't be right with God if I'm not right with my brother and sister. So I got to do whatever it takes to get right with my brother or sister. Because it is impossible to be right with God if I'm not right with my brother and sister. And so I've got to do everything I can do to make sure I'm in right standing with God as it regards to my brother and sister that I've done everything I can to be right with them. And if I can't, if, if I've done everything I can do and my conscience is clear, then I'll have that connection with God. And so whatever it takes, I'm trying to connect with God. Okay, repent. I humble myself before him because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so I don't want God resisting me, but I want him giving me grace, and I want him helping me, and I want to be close to him. And so when I wake up in the morning, if, I'm not, if I don't feel that connection with God, I'm doing everything I can to get aligned with God. I got a series of scriptures. I shared them with uh, Brother Jorge. Um, I got a series of scriptures that I will pray, Galatians 2.20. 
I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, Lord, if I'm not dead to my flesh, I'm going to die right now. I'm going to put this flesh into subjection. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'm quoting it because I pray these verses all the time. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Or John 15 and verse 5, I must abide in him and him in me, uh, for without him I can do nothing. I'm trying to do everything I can to get right with God because I want that connection. But when I'm fasting and when I'm doing it right, and especially when I'm on an extended fast, I get to a point where it's so easy to just be connected with God. Because I'm maintaining that connection. And I wake up and I can just feel him. And before I even get to say anything, he's like, good morning, Lewis. And he just starts speaking to me. And what a beautiful thing it is. Now, it's not that I'm perfect or super spiritual, but what, I'm, what am I doing? I'm killing my flesh, crucifying my flesh, denying my flesh, denying myself so that I can draw close to him. And when I draw close to him, he's going to draw close to me. And the closer I get to him and the closer he gets to me, the more easily I can hear his voice. And that's important. That's what fasting is all about. So sometimes we fast, and it's okay to do this, by the way, simply to get an answer from the Lord. Not to twist his arm, but I'm going to fast so I can get myself in a position where I can hear from him. Sometimes we just got a lot of noise going on in our life. We got a lot of things going on in our life, and it's just too much busyness, and we just need to set everything else aside and silence everything else and just say, okay, God, I, I, I got to get close to you. I got to hear from you, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. And fasting helps us to do that. Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23 is an example of this. There, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves. Look at that now. Afflict ourselves. I'm, I'm fasting so that we might afflict ourselves. That's not pleasant. You're hurting yourself when you're fasting. <laughs> at least it feels like you're hurting yourself. Um that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us. What is that? He's trying to get direction. And for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was, so, so, not, so I'm trying to seek the right way, what to do for me and for our little ones and also that I can get the provision of God for my family and as we go and do this work because they're getting ready to go rebuild the city or rebuild the temple that was in Jerusalem. And they're getting ready to do that. So Ezra's like, let's fast so that we can, so we can seek the right way for us and for our children. And by, so, so mom and dad, fast for your children sometimes. You're having problems with your children? Go on a fast and hear from God and find out what to do. He will answer that prayer because they're his children before they were your children. He gave them to you. And so fasting and praying for your children is something that he wants you to do. And he will always respond to that because they're his children. And he gave you the responsibility to watch over them and to sustain them and to provide for them and to nurture them and to train them up in the way they should go. Well, you need to hear from him if you're going to find out the way they should go. I know I'm out of the notes right now. I just saw that right now as I was talking. I love when the Holy Ghost does that. 
fast and pray for your children and find out the way for your children to go so that you, so that they, you can show them that way so that they, when they're old, they won't depart from it. You're having problems with your teenagers? Pray and fast. It works. I've been there, done that. It worked when I was a teenager and my mom and dad prayed and fasted for me. And it's worked when I prayed and fasted for my teenagers. And I've seen it work for many others. Prayer and fasting works. This kind goeth not out sometimes, but by prayer and fasting. So, mom and dad, if you're not praying and fasting for your kids, try it. It works. Amen. Commercial over. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Look at that. Look at that. Ezra proclaimed a fast in order to ask for God's protection and his provision. And God was entreated of them, which means that he both heard their prayers and answered their prayers as requested. He gave them, he showed them the way. He gave them provision. He gave them protection. As you continue reading that story in the book of Ezra, the king said, you, you, you better give them. He sent letters out. Give them whatever they need to do the job. And don't mess with them along the way because you're going to answer to me if you do. God made earthly kings protect a man that was on a mission for God. And he will do the same thing for us when we pray and fast. And I'm believing, I'm just going to speak it prophetically right now. I believe that God is going to give us favor with men and women and authority in this city as we're praying and fasting as we come up. God is going to show us a way to get into the Polish community. He's going to show us a way to get into the Muslim community. He's going to show us a way to break ground in this city that we have not broken before. And he is going to give us uh, influence with the political realm so that we can have more favor in this city so that we can operate and do what God wants us to do. Amen. I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. So the Israelites are talking to the Lord. Why have we fasted and you don't see us? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and you take no knowledge of it? In the day, and, and so the Lord answers, this is the Lord's answer. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exalt all your labors. You mentioned it. Take all the joy. Everything is joyous, pleasurable, out. You're not supposed to have fun while you're fasting. You're supposed to be afflicting yourself. Now, does that mean you can't, you know, laugh or tell a joke or fellowship or, or no, no. But the whole point is, is what's the, you know, they're eating and drinking and, you know, or they're fasting, but they're, they're doing this and they're still doing that and, 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 and they're doing all these things. So they're asking God, why have you not responded to our fasting? And the answer was that they had not fasted in the right way and with the right motives. Fasting is not supposed to be a pleasurable thing. They had kept on doing things that gave them pleasure even while they were fasting. True fasting is denying yourself. Jesus said that if any man would follow him, that he is required to take up his cross and follow him. There is no pleasure in cross-bearing except for the joy of that is set before us when we do it.
what Jesus said. Or that's what the, the, they said about Jesus, right? That he endured the cross, despising the shame because of the joy that was set before him. The only pleasure that you find in cross-bearing, it's not easy, it's not good, you're denying yourself, you're taking up something that's heavy and inconvenient, and the only pleasure is because there is a greater joy that's set before you that's going to happen when you pray and fast. Praying and fasting gives results. Prayer and fasting gets us closer to God, and if that's the only thing it does, that is a greater reward. That is a sweet thing. That is the sweetest pleasure that we can have is to get closer and closer to him. So if that's the only reason that I should take up my cross and follow him then that ought to be good enough for me but there's so many more rewards that come when we fast and when we pray i feel the presence of the lord in this house he wants us to draw nigh to him and when we draw nigh to him he's gonna draw nigh to us so i gotta deny myself and i gotta take up my cross your fasting is going to be of no effect if you're watching TV or movies or scrolling Facebook all day or playing on Snapchat or tweeting stuff left and right and monitoring your Instagram page all day during the time that you said you were fasting and praying. I remember one time I was fasting and I had spent time in the Word. I had spent time praying all that. And all of a sudden I picked up a Louis L'Amour book and I started reading it. I got about three sentences in. And the Lord said, what are you doing? You just stopped fasting. You just broke your fast. I'm like, I didn't need anything. What does Louis Lamore have to do with anything spiritual? Nothing. Doesn't do me any good. It's not helping me afflict my soul. I'm taking pleasure in that. No. All right. If I'm going to read, if, if I'm going to sit there and read anyway, I might as well read more scripture. Let me do a little more Bible study. Let me, let me uh, listen to some preaching on YouTube or, or, or let me put in a CD of gospel music or, or something like that or let me call somebody and have an encouraging conversation or pray with somebody over the phone or, or get on my knees and pray. Stop doing all the pleasurable things because fasting is not supposed to have pleasure in it. If we are fasting to hear from God, then we better make sure our ears are tuned into his station. And fasting helps us to do that. Fasting helps us to get on the right frequency that we can hear from him, that we can hear his voice more clearly. Matter of fact, Paul even tells us that husbands and wives are not to keep themselves from each other sexually except for mutually agreed times of prayer and fasting. So do not rob each other of pleasure within your marriage unless you both consent to do so for a specific time while you both seek God in prayer and fasting, and then come together again as soon as you're done so you don't fall into sin. That's what Paul said. Don't cause your marriage to suffer because you're trying to be holy. Consent is the key word there. And there may be times as a married couple that you do need to lay aside physical intimacy to seek God. But unless you want problems... You better both be in agreement while you're doing it. A little marriage 101. Because otherwise you're setting yourselves up for failure. Amen. I'll say amen and nobody else will. Because it's true. That's why it's in the Bible. Look at Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger 
and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, which basically means he was Herod's friend. He was one of Herod's buddies, but he was a prophet of the Lord. And Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, look at that, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, fasting is ministering unto the Lord. The Bible says that we should bless the Lord at all times. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The word bless is really talking about serving and ministering to. The word minister talks about serving. As a matter of fact, the word that's most often translated minister in the New Testament refers to serving the state at one's own cost. I said earlier that fasting is going to cost you something. Fasting is definitely a way to serve the Lord at our own cost. It's paying the price. But the reward is always greater than the risk. The return on your investment with fasting will always be beyond your imagination. Let me just say that right now. Yes, it's hard. It's tough. But there's such a great reward. We ought to do it. And we're ministering to the Lord when we do it. We're serving the Lord when we do it. When we fast, we are ministering to the Lord. We always want the Lord to minister to us, but the Bible says we need to minister to the Lord. And we do that through fasting, prayer, worship, Bible reading, spending time with Him. We're ministering to Him. And we ought to do that. That tur totally turns the tables on our mindset. Lord, minister to me, minister to me, minister to me. No. How about we minister to the Lord? And when we minister to the Lord, he in turn ministers to us. Amen? Because look what happened. As they were ministering unto the Lord and fasting, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So fasting, as a result of their fasting, they were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting. God gave them very clear direction. And God called Barnabas and Saul to a specific work. God gave them specific directions to send Paul and Barnabas to be missionaries to the Gentiles. So one of the ways, one of the best ways to find out God's plan for your life is, that, is to make fasting an integral and regular part of your spiritual life. You want to know God's will for your life? Fasting is a sure way to hear from God if you do it right. So I want to ask this question. I think this will encourage people. Hopefully we have testimonies of this. Does anyone have a testimony of a time when you were fasting and you heard from God as a result of the fast? Sister Marilyn? Praise God. Amen. Amen. When I was nine years old, many of you have heard this story, but I'll say it again. When I was nine years old, I received the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. When I was nine years old, I was praying and I was fasting. And so my dad was like, listen, my dad was a pastor. He was like, if you're going to fast, 
He was like, go to your room and pray while we're eating lunch. <laughs> and so I did. I, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to find, you know, I'm nine years old, but, but there was something so strong upon me that I, I was trying to seek after God. So nine years old, I crawled up on my top bunk in the middle of a fast while my family's in the, in the dining room eating, and I'm up there, and I've got my Bible open, and I'm praying. I'm on the top bunk of my bed praying, and I heard the audible voice of God. The only time that I can clearly and definitively say that God spoke out loud to me when he said, you're going to be a preacher. While I was fasting at nine years old, I wish God would speak to me in that kind of booming, audible, out loud voice more often, but he usually doesn't do that. It does happen from time to time, but you know. But when I was fasting at that moment, he did do that. There are times when I'm reading the Bible and it all of a sudden it's like the words just get so big, it's almost like a bold, <laughs> loud voice. <laughs> like, like, you know, when you text and you're using all caps, it's, it's usually considered yelling, right? Um, well, sometimes when I'm reading the Word, all of a sudden something stands out in all caps to me, even though it's not really in all caps, but it kind of looks like that and kind of really jumps out. Like, I feel like God's yelling at me sometimes <laughs> when I'm reading the Word because I just have to, that's just who I am, and sometimes I need that because otherwise maybe I'm not listening. But I'd like to get to the point where he doesn't have to yell at me, and fasting helps us to do that. Anybody else got testimonies of, of how you heard from God or God did something in your life as a result of you fasting? Bishop Trina. Amen. Amen. God gives us direction while we're fasting. Maybe one more. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. So I don't know if everybody heard that. I want to your 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 spiritual senses. And even your physical senses, they get, they get heightened. And by the way, the spirit world has a smell and a taste and a sound and a feel. And you can see things in the spirit realm. There's visible things in the spirit realm too. Some of y'all looking at me like, what in the world are you talking about? But that's why there's incense in the, in the Holy of Holies. It's a pattern of what happens in heaven. And so spiritual things have an incense that has a smell, has a sweet savor. And so many times our physical senses partner up with our spiritual senses and we can smell things or hear things that we normally can't hear or see things we normally can't see or we 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 become aware of things that we that we normally aren't aware of like angels when we're fasting why because we're 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 killing off all that other stuff and we're heightening our spiritual senses I just lost about half of y'all when I started talking about all that stuff. But it's true. It's true. It's happened. When, when I walk into a place in certain atmospheres, a lot of times I, I, I can, I've, I've walked into a church before and I was smelling what I thought was cinnamon. It smelled like, like someone was burning a candle or had been burning some sort of incense or cooking with cinnamon or whatever, I could smell it. It was so strong. They had not burned any incense. They had not burned any candle. They, they didn't do any of that stuff in that church. I talked to the pastor, 
and what what God showed me was that I was sensing the incense of their worship of their spiritual sacrifices that have been happening. Some of y'all think I'm so weird right now. But that stuff is true. That stuff is real. That stuff is real. It does happen. Get closer to the Lord. You'll experience it. Bishop Tryon. Right. Right. Amen. It, it's scripture. I'm in the book still. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. It literally means taste. I've looked it up before. It literally means taste. You can taste of the Lord. Right, just, it, it's, everything spiritual has a, has a physical manifestation. We're just not always aware of it. There's angels everywhere, all over the place, constantly going up and down between heaven, but we, we're not always aware of them. But many times we entertain angels unawares. They're around. And if we, if we will be more aware of them, uh, Jason Sisko says it like this. He says that awareness precedes activity. So the more we are aware of them, the more we'll begin to recognize their activity in our lives. Brother Lou. Yes. Elisha, yes. So Elisha was woke up and his servant saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha said, don't worry about it. They that be for us are more than they that be against us. And he said, Lord, I pray you that you open his eyes so he could see. And when, he opened it, when, when the Lord opened his eyes, he could see in the spirit realm those chariots of fire of the Lord that were surrounding the enemies that had surrounded Elisha and, and that city that they were in. There's many examples of that. And it's so true. When we're fasting, things like that happen. I've been on extended fasts, and the Lord allowed me to see specific angels doing specific things. And it's like, whoa. You know, it's not because I'm special. It's because I'm, I'm, I'm taking the time to, to tune in my senses to the Lord. And he'll do the same for you. He will do the same for you. It's not for special people because we're all special in his eyes. You got the Holy Ghost. You got his spirit living inside you. He wants to make you aware of spiritual things as much as anybody else. It's just a matter of whether or not you're going to put in the time and pay the price. Amen. Fasting helps, and this is a great segue, because you can talk about all these things and then realize that sometimes we need to be humbled as well. Paul says that because of the abundance of revelations, the Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh. And sometimes we need that to keep us humble. So fasting helps to make us humble and keep us that way. It's much easier to humble myself before the Lord than to have the Lord humble me before him. Let me say that again. It's much easier and much more pleasant to humble myself before the Lord than to have him have to humble me before him or before others. And fasting is one of the ways that we humble ourselves before the Lord. Psalm 35, verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul. Look at that. I humbled my soul with fasting. Now he's talking about when 
He had enemies that were talking against him left and right and doing all kinds of things against him. He, David talks a lot about this. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But David says, listen, they're talking bad about me, and I'm when they're sick, my clothing is sackcloth and ashes. I'm praying for them. I'm fasting for them. I'm doing everything I can when they're sick, and yet here I am, and, and I'm sick, and they're just talking bad about me. They're reproaching me left and right. But I'm trying to do my best when they're sick to go to the Lord on their behalf. And so I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. When you humble yourself with fasting, many times the Lord will cause your prayers to come right back into your bosom, and he will do that for you that you've prayed for him to do for others. There have been times that I have prayed for a financial miracle for others. And at the same time that they got their answer, I got an answer. Because well, I, I needed a financial miracle. There have been times that I had pain in my body. And as I prayed with somebody else, God healed me too. My prayers came back into my own bosom. That's why we better be very careful what we pray for other people. I'm not looking to call down fire from heaven. I'm not looking for God to take. I mean, David prays some pretty crazy prayers sometimes about some stuff he wanted God to do. I'm thinking, I don't want that kind of prayer coming back into my bosom. I'm going to pray the kind of prayer for my enemies that I want God to answer for me, and I'm going to let that prayer turn, turn back into my bosom, and I'll let God take care of whatever enemies that are out there. I, I, I'm going to love my enemies. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to do good to them that persecute me um, and and despitefully do good to them despitefully use me. Pray for them that, what is it? Love your enemies. Do good to them to despitefully use you and pray for them that persecute you, I think is the exact way it says it. That's what I'm going to try to do. Because that's what, first of all, that's what Jesus said to do. Secondly, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So that's what I'm going to try to do. So fasting humbles our souls. So when we fast, it shows God that we recognize that we cannot do things on our own, but we need his help. John 15, verse 5, I referred to this earlier. I pray this almost every day. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I can't do anything without him. I can't do anything without him. And there is nothing more humbling than admitting that we need help. There is nothing more humbling than admitting that we need help. Fasting helps to keep us in the mindset of dependence upon the Lord. And the more we fast, the more we realize just how much we need him. As a matter of fact, once fasting becomes a habit in your life, you, you actually begin to wonder how you ever walked with God without, without fasting. Some consider fasting an unnecessary extreme, but if we would just realize how desperately we really need Jesus, we'll understand fasting to be quite the contrary. It's not just an unnecessary extreme, it's an ultra-necessary extreme. Yes, Sister Marilyn. That's a great question. 
anytime you choose. There's no specific time. She asked if there's any specific time that is better for fasting or that we should fast. Um, fast when the Lord tells you to, because sometimes he will tell you to. Fast when the pastor tells you to, like we're doing right now. We're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah, there's, you should fast when your pastor tells you to. Oh, no, no, no. Not right now. Oh, no, no, not, not right now. We're not, fast when the Lord tells you to, fast when, now what we're doing is we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting starting the day after Labor Day. That's right, you weren't here for that. And we've been talking about it for a few weeks, but for, starting September 6th for 21 days, we're doing a corporate 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're going to have the church open between 4 and 8 a.m. for anybody that would like to come and pray during that time, like before they go to work or whatever. Um, but um, but we are going to do a corporate fast, and we're, we'll talk a little bit more about it on Sunday, but we're going to have um, different time sets. And I'm just asking everyone to either fast one meal a day or pick a day to fast a couple of meals or one meal or whatever. We're gonna, we have a sign-up sheet that's out there on the table. So during that time from September 6th to September 27th, there's 21 days as a church that we're going to fast. And I'm going to uh, give you some prayer points and some things that we're going to do, some specific prayer points. Um, so we're not, I'm not saying we're fasting right now. What, what I'm saying is we are going to, as a church, go on a fast. Yes. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, you need to fast right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that miscommunication. No, no, no. But that being said, sometimes the Lord, for whatever reason, will impress upon a leader that we need to do this, like, she, like he did with Queen Esther, like he did with Ezra, like he did with David at one point. And so when the, when the pastor, the spiritual leadership says, hey, let's, let's do a fast. Like if our district, if Bishop Potosky and our district board came down and said, we're going to do a district fast, you better believe I'm fasting because my spiritual leadership just said do it. Right? And... I'm going to try to fit into whatever parameters they put it in there for, right, and do the best that I can within that because there's usually a reason that I may not know or understand. I'm just going to do it because i got to trust that my leader's hearing from God. All right, so, so when do I fast? When God tells me to, when my spiritual leadership tells me to, or sometimes when I need an answer or I just feel like I want to draw closer to God. But in those cases, it's not... It's not something that you just have to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. You can say, all right, I'm going to fast breakfast every day for a week or, or I'm going to fast lunch every day for a week or I'm going to fast, I'm only going to eat one meal a day for a month or whatever or something like that. Like you can, you, there's so many different ways you can do it. There's no right or wrong way unless there's a specific thing that God told you to do and you need to do it that way. But really it's, you pick whatever. And even with this fast we're doing, the 21 days, I'm not going to tell you which meal to fast. Or what days to fast, I want you to pick. I want you to choose. I want to have coverage for those 21 days, but I, and that's the only reason we're doing a sign-up sheet, just so I can kind of see that we got coverage, and I'll try to fill in the gaps wherever we don't have coverage. But we're going we're gonna to try to, we're going to do that, but you can however you want to, whenever you want to. And by the way, let me, let me just put a word of wisdom out there. If you've never fasted more than one meal at a time, don't try to do a three-day fast. I mean, unless you know you specifically heard from God that you're going to do an absolute fast for three days, it's going to be really, really hard. Build up to it. 
And I definitely wouldn't do a, a, a seven-day fast or a 10-day fast or a 21-day fast if you've never done anything like that. So just by wisdom, build your body up to doing that. And here's the other thing is we can become prideful in our fasting. So there have been times when I said, all right, I'm going to do a 10-day fast. And about seven days into that, the Lord released me. I got whatever answer I was looking for. The Lord said, you were released from this fast. And be but because I said, I'm doing 10 days, I'm going to do 10 days. About day eight and a half, I was like struggling. What is going on? The Lord said, I released you from this fast a long time ago. You're on your own right now. You better believe I, I, started, I started coming out of that fast real quick. First, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want pride because you resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. I need the grace. I don't need, I don't need you putting your hand on me and pushing me down. I'm sorry, Lord, you released me. I came out of that fast real quick, probably too quick. I started eating M&Ms or something. I shouldn't have. It was the closest thing. <laughs> that's not good. That's, that's another word of wisdom. Don't eat sweets coming right off a of fast, and don't eat lasagna coming right off a of fast either. Just, just trust me. You don't want to do that. Uh, you know, if you're doing a one-day fast, whatever, but if you're doing a, a longer fast, you start with some soups and stuff and work your and then vegetables and kind of work your way back up before you start getting into all that. Trust me, you don't want the results of, it's not fun at 2 o'clock in the morning. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. So fasting is an extreme. It shows the desperation of our soul for the help and favor of God. And desperate times call for desperate measures, right? If I'm desperate for Jesus, I'll do whatever it takes. And sometimes that means fasting. In the world in which we live, we desperately, desperately need him. Of course, we've always needed him desperately. Sometimes we just don't recognize it. But this world we live in now, boy, I tell you, we need him more. It, you know, We've always needed him, but it just seems like I... I, just, I I don't want to go anywhere without him. I don't, I don't want to, I, don't, I just, man, I can't walk through Walmart without calling on Jesus. I need to. I need him. I can't drive down the road in the summertime. What's I saying? Jesus, help me. Or I can't work with certain people without, Jesus, help me. I need you. And there's probably people that can't work with me without saying, Jesus, help me. I need you. All right. So the point is this. What's, what's a couple of missed hamburgers in comparison to get the help and favor of God? So when we fast, we're getting his attention, and he answers us. And he's always ready to help us. But when he sees our urgency and our desperation, it's like he moves even more quickly. He really, he's like, oh, oh, they're serious. They're, they're urgent. They're desperate because he loves us. So let me say it like this. As a father, I respond to the cries of my children most of the time. Now, like, what do you mean by most of the time? Sometimes the cries are just, they're playing. Not a big deal. They don't really need anything. They're just making a lot of noise. 
But I've also learned to discern that there, I've learned the different kind of crying or the different kinds of screams or the different kinds of tones of voice that mean, that, that, that show that they need daddy's intervention. And especially those ones when you know they're in pain or they're desperately in trouble, those are the ones that get me moving real fast, right? When we were fasting, we kind of put us in that position and the Lord hears our cries when we're desperate. And, and, and by the way, if you're in a desperate situation and you call on the name of Jesus, he's as close as the mention of his name no matter what. And there's sometimes you're not in the middle of a fast and there's something desperate that comes up and he hears that cry as well. So I'm not saying you, he only responds to desperate cries when we're fasting, but fasting helps increase the magnitude of our desperation for God and our hunger for him. Does that make sense? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So when we humble ourselves in fasting, the Lord will respond by lifting us up in his time. That's James 4, 9 through 10, which follows up James 4, 8, draw nigh unto the Lord and he'll draw nigh unto you, right? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, that Bishop was referring to earlier. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Verse 9 is exactly what happens when we fast. Afflicting ourselves, mourning, and weeping. I tell you what, sometimes when I'm crying, well, I mean, when I'm fasting, I cry. Because sometimes you get hunger pains. Maybe I'm the only one, but it, it happens. Like I, or I'm like, Jesus, help me. And, or, or, you know, even if it's not actual tears, I'm, I'm really calling. I really need help. I'm mourning. I'm mourning the fact that everybody else is eating chocolate chip cookies and I can't have one. Or I could have one, but I'm choosing not to. But my flesh is crying out everything within me. Give me one of those cookies right now. Get in my mouth. Fasting is a heavy topic. I make it funny a little bit. <laughs> there, I mean, somebody's walking by with a, or I tell you what, the worst is when I'm sitting in the prayer room in the morning when I'm fasting and one of the boys decides to make a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. As soon as they put the butter in the pan and it starts melting and I'm smelling, I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. But there's a principle that we need to get here. Before all those other verses that we read in James, James says this, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we're fasting, we're submitting ourselves to God, and we're able to resist the devil. And many times, we have to fast in order to get ourselves in submission to God. Because many times, uh, when our flesh is out of control, we're resisting God and submitting to the devil or submitting to our flesh. And it needs to be the other way around. Sister Tryon, you had a comment. Amen. Remind yourself of why you're doing it. You're fasting for a specific reason or something. You know they need it. You know, are you going to just drop it and say, oh, it's not that important? No, remind yourself of why you're doing it, and it just gives you that extra extra strength to resist the food and continue to, you know, to pray upon them and whatever it is. 
Amen. Amen. So there's a couple of things that, and that's a great point, Sister Trine. There's, there's a couple of things I was just thinking, what would have happened if they had stopped fasting, if Esther and Mordecai and the Jews had stopped fasting after one day instead of doing the full three days? It could have been a disaster. He might not have held that scepter out to her when she went before the king. So you put your purpose and your target out there for fasting. Remember why you're fasting. That's why it's important to have a purpose to your fast. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the lesson, but it's important to have a purpose to your fast. And maybe that purpose is just to draw closer to God. Maybe it's to get answers to a specific question. Maybe it's to get a breakthrough in a certain area. And again, we're not twist, trying to twist God's arm, but we're trying to get, align ourselves so that God can do what needs to be done in our lives. But I was also thinking, you know, normally when I, when I go on a fast, I'll say, all right, I'm going to fast for this. I feel like God told me I'm going to fast for this amount of days or this amount of meals or this amount of hours or whatever. But there's been times I said, God, I'm going to fast until I get an answer. And that's biblical too because that's what Daniel did. Daniel had a vision or a dream, and Daniel was really good at interpreting dreams and getting understanding of dreams and visions and handwriting on walls and all kinds of things like that. But he had a dream and a vision and, and some insight that he saw, but he, he got some insight, but he didn't get all of it. And he said, wait a minute. He started fasting and praying, and it took 21 days. He didn't start out to fast 21 days. But he fasted for 21 days until the angel showed up and gave him the answer that he needed. So sometimes just fast until God tells you to stop or until you get what you need. It's, so, it's great to have a plan, but sometimes just get desperate. Amen. Fasting helps us die to ourselves, and we've kind of talked about that a lot. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. We talked about that. So I'm not supposed to live my life my way and live my life to my own passions and desires. I'm supposed to die to myself, and I'm supposed to live unto God. And fasting allows me to do this. It helps me to put away my own desires and allow the Lord to put his desires in me. Fasting allows me to put away my own desires and put his desires in me. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We've said this many times. That doesn't mean God's going to give you whatever you want. It means he's going to put his desires in your heart. He's going to give you what you're supposed to be desiring. When we fast, I'm killing off my own flesh and my own desires so I can figure out what God wants for me, and then what God wants for me becomes what I want for me. And until I get to the point where God's will is not only good and perfect but acceptable, then I need to keep myself on the altar until I get to that point. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. And so I need it not only to be good and perfect, it's, it's, the will of God is always good and perfect, but I need it to be acceptable to me. I need it to be pleasing to me. So I need to kill my flesh so I can walk in the Spirit so that He can give me my, His desires and so that His desires become my desires. And that's what fasting does for us. Fasting is one way we delight in the Lord and in His ways. And we're showing God that we want what He wants. And in so saying, he puts it all in us, his desires. 
After all, as Christians, we really have no ownership of our lives anyway. When you get baptized in Jesus' name and he puts his spirit in you, you forfeit all rights to your life. That sounds really harsh, but that's exactly what it is. And it's scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit of the Lord's. He paid for it all. You have no spirit without him. He's the one that breathed the breath of life into you. He's the one that shed his blood and paid the ultimate price for you. So when he did all that, and now that you're living for him, you just forfeited all your rights. You don't have any more of your own rights. You still have a free will to choose or not. You can still do whatever you want to do. He's not going to make you do anything. But if we'll get this right mentality that I owe everything to him, and I can't do anything without him anyway, that I, then he has all rights over my life. He has first dibs on everything. He is in the driver's seat. I was going to say he's the shotgun. No, he doesn't have shotgun. He's the one driving, and I'm just riding shotgun. I'm just along for the ride. Where do you want me to go? You get in a car, you drive. I hate that bumper sticker that says God's my co-pilot. He's not my co-pilot. He's my pilot. I don't need him to be my co-pilot. That means that I get, I get to fly and he, he just steps in whenever, whenever I let him step in. No, no, no. He is the pilot. He takes me wherever I, he wants to take me. That's the way life, the Christian life is supposed to be. He paid for us with his own blood and therefore we live unto him and not unto ourselves. But just because you repented and you got baptized and received the Holy, Ghost, the, the Holy Ghost does not mean that you automatically begin to completely give yourself over to the Lord. That is a process called sanctification in which we separate ourselves from the world unto the Lord and even from our own desires unto the Lord. We begin to separate ourselves from our own desires unto the Lord. And the key word in all that is that it is a process. It's a process. And every single day, I have to make sure I put myself on the altar. And I have to make sure I say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done today. It's a process. I'm still going to go the wrong way sometimes. I'm still going to take a right turn when I felt like, you know, when I know the Lord was telling me to take a left turn or uh, I'm, I'm still going to do some things that I want to do sometimes and, and then I'm going to realize, oh, Jesus, I know I shouldn't have done that. I'm still going to spout off sometimes when I should have been quiet or I'm still going to be quiet when I should speak something. It's a process. So don't beat yourself up. Just man falls seven times and gets back up again. Don't, don't beat yourself up. It's a process. But fasting helps us. In this process of dying to ourselves so that we can live unto him. And we've already mentioned Romans 12, 1 and 2 several times. Fasting is definitely a sacrifice. And it's one way that we present ourselves unto the Lord as a living sacrifice. Because we're telling our bodies that the spiritual desires that come from the Lord are more important than the physical desires that come from the flesh. Amen. In this way, we are then able to have our minds renewed so that we can see the will of God done in our lives. Maybe you want to write this down. 
this next comment. It's not in your notes. It should be, but I didn't get a chance to put it in there in, your, in the student lesson. You will never see the will of God in your life if you only ever follow after the will of you. I'll say it again. You will never see the will of God in your life if you only ever follow after the will of you. One more time. You will never see the will of God in your life if you only ever follow after the will of you. Think of it like an athlete in training. He trains his body in a certain way in order to prepare that body to be able to perform at the level that he needs in order to win, needs it to be in order to win. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to close with this, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So this athlete in training is doing so to win a temporary prize. And he's very diligent about it. How much more? I mean, think about how much an Olympic athlete trains. Sometimes their whole lives to try to get a gold medal. How much more should we to get the crown of gold that we're supposed to have when we reach heaven? Paul said that he's running with certainty and with purpose. He's not just beating the air. If he's going to throw a punch, sorry about the typo there. If he's going to throw a punch, he wants to make sure it hits that intended target. And that intended target is his own flesh he literally says i'm beating up my body i'm not shadow boxing i'm literally beating up my body that's what fasting does it keeps me under and it beats up my body i handle my body roughly my flesh roughly you don't owe your flesh anything romans chapter 8 we are not debtors to the flesh but to the spirit you don't owe your flesh anything get that out of your mind right now you do not owe your flesh Anything, you owe everything to the Spirit of God. And how does Paul do all that? He does it through prayer and fasting. So we must learn to deny ourselves and deny our flesh its appetites and desires so the Spirit can win that tug of war that's always going in our lives. The war of the flesh versus the Spirit. We're going to stop right there because it's a little bit after 9 o'clock. And next week, I will not be here. I will be on a uh, business trip uh, to Boston on Wednesday. Uh, so Sister Maria is going to finish this lesson up and add any other things that she feels like that she might add. And then we'll begin our fasting uh, in, in September. So I wanted to uh, make sure that we're taking time to talk about this. Um, so thank you for your contributions. A lot of great contributions today. And uh, God's going to do some great things through this fast. God is going to help us identify and bind the strong man in this city as we go through these, this fasting. And we probably will do this two or three times a year going forward uh, because we're going to bind this strong man and we're going to keep him bound. And we're going to go have revival. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word tonight.
I pray for everyone that's getting ready to embark upon a fast that you would bless them during their fast and strengthen them and keep them and let your angels minister unto them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.